0: in short time we've been forced to reevaluate our values values related to employment, family and home as we come out of two history-making pandemic years connecting with others is more important than ever but it's safe to say that the way we can and want to connect has changed we are not-for-profit professionals supporting adults to live, work and grow in a rapidly changing world connection means that we need to work together to build and put into practice whole and multifaceted plans for our clients so that they can reach their own personal successes. For some of us, life is returning to pre pandemic norms, where we work out of an office on a set schedule. Others may have no office to return to and may spend working hours on a couch or kitchen table in their own home. And some may be straddling schedules where they sometimes go to the office and sometimes work in their own personal space. These experiences are the same for our clients who are navigating a world that is still deciding what work life will look like. How can we support them while adapting ourselves? Whoever and wherever you are, if you support adults in learning in life, the Getting Connected podcast may be for you. Join us as we talk through relevant topics that support you to do your best work grab a coffee, give us just a few minutes of your workday, and let's connect. Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley Hoth-Murray, and you're listening to the Getting Connected podcast. I'm joined today by my glittery co-host, Gay Douglas. How's it going, Gay?
1: Well, thank you, Ashley. Glittery today. Well, I'm going to have to live up to that adjective, And I know that our guest today will also bring glitter to the conversation. So I hope everyone out there is having a a wonderful, sparkly day as well.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so today we've got a really cool topic. Uh, Adult literacy programs, as well as employment programs and other community programs are very resourceful. Uh, There's no doubt about it. I have seen over the years programs do amazing things with very little funding. I've seen them drum up community support to spark new initiatives. Programs can often pull something out of pretty much nothing. But there is one thing that every program needs to be successful, no matter what resources they have, no matter how much money, and no matter how much community support. All programs need learners. So today we are going to talk about strategies to recruit the right people into your program.
1: Yes, this should be a really healthy discussion. We're very excited to have with us today, Joanne Cottery. And Joanne is one of those icons of the literacy world in the province of Ontario. I remember starting 25 years ago in the field and meeting Joanne at a meeting of the Ontario Literacy Coalition. And in those days, we met quarterly with all of the regional, networks and all of the provincial support organizations and there was a rich uh, exchange of information and and a lot of collaboration so I know that Joanne has been around even longer than I have so uh, although I think she's much younger so we're going to find out more about this and other exciting things today so it is my pleasure and privilege to be able to introduce Joanne And she has the most amazing little bio here that I'm going to have to read it to you because it's brief, but it's really fun. So uh, Joanne has recently retired after 25 years. So we started about the same time, Joanne, fascinating. Uh, 25 years as the co-executive director of her very favorite organization. She has uh, a lot of uh, history and love for that organization. Community Literacy Ontario. And I've got to give a bit of a shout out now to CLO because I know that while initially CLO was very focused on community based agencies, what I know is that, Joanne, just so you're aware, um, all of the sectors, all of the different types of LBS, Literacy and Basic Skills Agencies, are utilizing your information. Good to know. Mm -hmm. So much value to uh, the work that CLO has done over the years that uh, your resources and information really do inform and uh, engage the entire spectrum of literacy and basic skills programs in the province. So here are some things that many of you, even though you may have known Joanne for a long time, here are some of the things that Joanne is now involved in now that she's not full-time uh, co-executive director. She is a forest wanderer. So she's spending a lot of time in the woods. She's a Huntington's advocate. So I'm sure there's some family concerns and some some advocacy that's going on in that area for you. She's a very active volunteer. She's doing some contract work. She started a, a, a company. She's a social entrepreneur with her husband and they're starting marvelous, mighty mini online bookstore. I hope you have a chance to tell us more about that later, Joanne. She will always be a forever friend of literacy. And I wanted to end with her final point here. She's making good trouble in the areas of poverty and disability. So it sounds like Joanne is gonna continue to be an advocate across a number of different areas here. So we're really delighted to have you here today, Joanne. Thank you. I also have the chance to ask the first question. Robin's gonna tell us a lot about what she's seen over the last 25 years as uh, in the literacy field in the province. So Joanne, what have been the major changes when you think back 25 years which probably was 1997, is that right? Yes. So from 1997 to 2022, could you reflect on what you uh, would think are the major changes in literacy and basic skills?
2: Sure, and thank you for having me here, by the way. I'm really
1: looking forward to it.
2: So I would say, I'll just start off with what hasn't changed, which is the incredible passion of people who work in the adult literacy pro, uh, field we were talking about that the three of us before how it's not a job really it's it's a passion and it's amazing how despite all the changes that have uh, occurred in the adult literacy field in Ontario and whether they were imposed externally or things that happened internally through us that that has not changed we've never been we've never been tamed (laughs) we're still very much a field that believes in people and supporting people and we're here we're here to make a difference and that that has never changed so it makes it easy for to work in a field for 25 years right okay when you're surrounded by people and and an incredibly important cause and, and the courage of learners so i'll just mention a couple of changes i would say One of them is, of course, digital has really shifted the Ontario literacy field, along with the entire um, world. But it's allowed us to connect more with one another, whether it's the staff like us having training webinars and linking the way that we are right now, or even just our ability to communicate and share. We used to just use email when I started. It was, you know, so much less efficient. And, and there's just these genuine connections between staff members, for example, whether they're in Thunder Bay or in the Niagara region like you or Barrie like me. And it just is all so easy and fruitful to plan and and, and scheme and uh, make make do positive things for learners, but also in terms of teaching, the ability to teach learners and share resources digitally has been incredible benefit to um, the, just really transform the way, we, the way we teach, the way we learn, and, and so on. And I mean, that's also parallel everywhere else. Uh, but in literacy, it's specific because we're also talking about a vulnerable population group that has low level, still often has low level digital literacy skills. So there's also the danger of excluding people that we've been working at as a literacy community from the very beginning of the digital revolution and and, are, and still are. Uh, so that that's one main main shift that that I've seen. Uh, another one is there's more focus on employment now. When I first started, there was very much um, there was a focus on employment. Many learners want to work. They, they are typically um, low income in many cases, and they they want to work. They want to take care of their families and and so on, like like everyone else. So it's not that that wasn't a factor, but there was a lot more focus on um, helping helping the the grandfather read to the grandchild and and that sort of, of literacy as a human right, which is still really important to literacy practitioners. And thankfully we still do have the independence goal stream where people, learners can go through and, and learn for the re- reasons that are important to them. That's just so critical. And I'm grateful that has stayed as part of the literacy field along with employment and other training and education and apprenticeship and so on. But it, I would say that's become less of a focus because mm-hmm. it's very much from really uh, both levels of government more wanting more of a focus on employment. So that is is that's that's a definite shift. I would say too, there's been more and more um, government requirements from both the federal and the provincial government, whether it be our, our funder, but also it could be uh, the Ministry of um, uh, who govern I uh, can't remember. See, I've been out, I've been out like two months and I forget all the names the different names It'll <laughs> <You don't> come <laughs> but back. It'll Who come governs back. us as nonprofit corporations? All the rules and regulations around that, and and literacy programs are tend to be charitable organizations. So all the federal rules around charities. So it, those are all important, but they've grown. I find that the in work towards government requirements of, of all the different levels have, has grown and taken time away from programs, which to me has put a lot of pressure on literacy practitioners, because as you all well know, where we, we receive modest levels of funding. And so it feels like time from the classroom or the small group, whatever the case may be, has been ever more pulled away with more, more pressure on the practitioners
0: and Joanne, so- just to cut just to uh, cut in there it's interesting when i hear you talk about the the changing role of the practitioner you you know we're, we're always talking about the skill levels that are changing that are required of our learners out in the world but you just highlighted a great example where the skill level of our practitioners has been expected to grow because of these administrative tasks as well as the digital teaching and the digital connection, practitioners have had to rapidly grow their digital skills. Just something we don't often highlight.
2: That's so, so, so true, Ashley. And I guess it's top of mind for me because having recently retired and we had to develop the job description for the, the new ED, who is, uh, her name is Catherine Toovey and she is absolutely Fabulous. But in any case, um, the, the job description that I would have had, say, five or 10 years ago for being the co-ED of CLO compared to some of the components we had to include for, for Catherine. Well, we didn't know at the time it would be Catherine, but for the candidate uh, who, uh, who turned out to be Catherine, thankfully. Anyhow, um, you know, a very, very a huge shift to, uh, um, which came upon us incrementally, you would know, as working for Literacy Links Central, it's also there for you too, just the amount of things you have to know, whether it's requirements of AODA or the new nonprofit act and, and so on and so forth. There's just, there's a lot and our mm-hmm. programs have to know all of that
1: too. Yes, so and I think you growth. make a good point, Joanne. It's taking the practitioners in many cases away from why they're there, You know, they're there for that passion to teach, that passion to have an impact on people's lives. They know that what the results of of literacy programming can be. They know the success stories. That's what drives them. And so, yes, the attention to administration, whether it be for the funder or Canada Revenue Agency or Corporations Ontario or uh, even their their employer, they're, they're really being forced away. I know a lot more are also uh, now inputting information into CAMS where that was not mm-hmm. necessarily part of their job. So, you know, uh, crossing that spectrum from service delivery and teaching into the administrative tasks that go along with it, it's got to put additional pressure, not just on practitioners, the managers as well, I think. And actually, I'll just say a little personal thing here about Ashley and I is that's one of the reasons we work really well as a team, is Ashley's really good with technology and I'm not. So we've worked that one out um, uh, because it's absolutely critical. And it's such a wide range of skills that are necessary, not only to operate a literacy program, but to operate a regional network. You really do need a broad set of skills. So we've been able to find that work for us here at Literacy Link by dividing uh, and conquering <laughs> <laughs> well, and,
2: and doing what we enjoy yeah. yeah yeah exactly and that cooperative approach that is is very common in in literacy as opposed to hierarchical it's uh, it's kind of unique perhaps really unique to to our field but because jet and cosmoner and i worked in the same way sharing like same as you you and ashley sharing you know sharing that our skills in different areas what you have to do it works well and it's also what what you need to
0: get everything done to survive that's the real resourceful yeah (laughs) but uh joanne let's go back to uh to some we you were highlighting some challenges when you were speaking about changes over over the last 25 years so can you talk specifically to some learner recruitment challenges that are facing adult literacy programs right now
2: Sure, it's it, it's we Community Literacy of Ontario did some research this last year, and and I ended up writing and researching and writing the report, which was just kind of like a. It was a real joy to do it because I had already, you know, decided I'd be leaving as of March thirty first, so it kind of felt a little bit like a a farewell or something and, and capturing some of that passion and skills so it, it was it was a real joy to do and so I'm, I'm happy to talk about it today but um some of the challenges and, and these these are specific to marketing and learner recruitment but they actually could be many of them could be applied more broadly to a lot of what we do in adult literacy you'll, you'll recognize them so uh, one of the top ones is the lack of funds for marketing because we do receive funding from the provincial government, as you well know, <laughs> but it would go. It all goes to service delivery, and there's not a lot left over for these these admin functions, um, for lack of a better word, or not non-teaching functions. So marketing happens just off the side of the desk. It's critical mm-hmm. to the the work that is done, but there there's no there's no extra funds for that, and that is very very difficult not only for coming up with great ideas and 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 tools and um, but all but it, but it's also the staff they they were hired to say be a manager uh an executive director of an organization or or a, te- a teacher instructor and so forth they, they, they don't necessarily have great marketing skills but like everything in literacy we kind of learn as we go and figure it out but it's not optimal like you would well know like there is not one adult literacy program in ontario that i know of at least in the community-based sector that has a communications person
0: right or social
2: media person it's absolutely it's unheard of i mean don't we wish right um because that that we need that but it happens somebody either was hired and has the skills or learn to develop them but that's not well when i talk about some of their strategies i don't want to leave it as though as though that means they don't do effective marketing cuz they do but it comes out of that passion and commitment that we were talking about earlier because they know there's many people in the community that need their services so they they get out and do and and, and do it anyway and increase and and do do a darn good job of it and come up with some very great creative ideas that work but it's not easy because there's basically no money for it or and, and no training you would learn your marketing skills by watching someone who's really good at social media for example um and implementing that in your program and discussing it at, at lsp tables or and so on or, and so forth and i'm sure a lot of people learn from your po- you know listen to your podcasts and learn and even learn how to do podcasting from you so it's, it's that kind of of, of um environment. So an, another, another challenge, which again is so broad based, but specifically to learn recruitment, it's just so difficult, is the stigma to literacy. So as, as, as we all know, that uh, very unfortunately, people with low literacy levels, sometimes feel a sen- sense of shame, and they will go to great efforts to hide their lack of skills. So it really makes it hard to reach people who need our programs because they don't necessarily want to identify as needing our services. So there's an inherent stigma attached to that. And also, it, it because it's kind of hidden away, it makes it invisible to the public. So when you're trying to convince your local community, uh, your local service club to support you, uh, they may not really, even if you tell them the stats, they may kind of say, I don't know, that sounds kind of high I don't I've never met anyone with that that problem so we're kind of in a negative marketing brand so to speak Uh, so it's it's very tricky to work around.
0: That was me when I first heard about literacy uh, I just for for listeners the the reason that I ended up at Literacy Link Niagara is that Gay actually taught uh, in a postgraduate program at Niagara College event management and I was there taking uh, event management for the year and she started talking about her other job as the executive director of Literacy Link Niagara and I remember thinking where are these people I've never met the you know these people what what is this issue Um, it must be such a small piece And to me, you know, it was always reading. It must be people that can't read. And literacy is so much bigger than that. And I think it's breaking that stigma. It's not maybe somebody can read, they can write, but they can't do math to effectively, you know, work their budget or do their taxes. Or, you know, maybe they lack soft skills. So it was the idea that literacy was very, very small, like very, a very defined, um, piece of skills and it's just so much more. And yes, I mean I I, I was that person.
2: Oh, that's so interesting, Ashley.
0: We're glad you came our way. <laughs> hey, if anyone could play against
2: you, it would be gay, right? Absolutely. <laughs>
1: well, frankly, when I started, um, I remember my one of my interview questions. Um, and I had absolutely no background in adult education. Uh, at all, except I had been educated as an adult when I went back to school. But when they asked me, what do you know about adult literacy? I said, I'm an adult and I can read. Isn't that ghastly? Given what I know now, (laughs) but they still hired me. Anyway, that's my short story about uh, people's opinions. And I'm with you, Joanne. The the stigma, the word literacy has so many interpretations most of them wrong. And we yes. know, right? We know what that means. But you know, that big sigh when someone looks at you and you say that you work in adult literacy and they ask a question and you just kind of take that big sigh and say, Where do I start? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a campaign some years ago around literacy touches everything. And if we could get that message out, um, one more thing about branding and marketing literacy is i think that the feds are doing something right right now with the with the the rebranding of essential skills to skills for success now that's intriguing that's attractive that's a positive brand do you think yes i agree even having that word success in there
2: i mean who doesn't want whatever their goals are People want to be successful at them. And I don't know your, it is, it's a positive brand. And we have, you know, a lot, I find that encouraging and that we have lots to learn from that and can maybe build on that. So yeah, so that's good. But what you say about the lack of community understanding and awareness, it's so true. Like in our research, we found programs were saying that for the general public, they tend to re- correlate correlate um, literacy with reading and children and young people and there's nothing wrong with that it's, it, it, it's very very important of course but th- it doesn't stop at the at the secondary school system the way most people think and and, and they're una- unaware of adult literacy and, and kind of shocked to learn about the level of, of needs so with that thing how do you market a service that addresses an issue that most people don't realize exists, and maybe don't entirely believe the stats on it either, and then you have a client group that doesn't necessarily want to be very public about it, although as you know, we do have some learners who step up and are incredible advocates, but that usually takes a lot of um, encouragement and support because they've been pretty beaten down by the the system over the years. But one other uh, challenge is the shift in media just how we were talking earlier about the many shifts since the since we both started in literacy okay, there's been huge shifts in media and and just like a stone rolling down a hill and they've just gone exponentially and obviously one of the shifts is from traditional media to digital and in and informal social media replacing the more formal so um or informal media replacing kind of kind of form so social media and so on so first of all the, the, and another one i would say is the shift to kind of very glossy campaigns it's not enough to have i do, do you remember the posters back in the day i mean first of all they were really really ugly even <laughs> for <from> that <laughs> but now um, people people just that's just not nobody's going to look at your stuff if you don't have you don't it doesn't mean you have to have like the best and the brightest in a professional firm but you better have some nice images even if they're free from canva and so on and pictures that are cropped and it just it doesn't fly anymore public's expectation has has changed and other groups have that sort of glossier stuff so you can do it cheaply like canvas free for example and and You can do, you know, your own videos and and so on and so forth and and pictures, but they have to, they have to be, they have to be good. They have to have a a certain level of quality or it just, it's just not going to fly. So that all takes time and learning these programs, even if they're free, but yes, this whole shift has really, but I think too, with the shift to, 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 from traditional media to online as Many benefits as that brings. This podcast is is one of them, and so uh, our learners tend to very much engage with Facebook, uh, or many of them do anyway. But is that some of our our learners still like the old media? It's because they're a vulnerable population, so they haven't abandoned en mass. They've embraced, I think, to a degree, the new media, but you know, still the newspaper and and uh, and radio works with with learner groups more than it might with some other populations. So again, we're in this, this odd spot of balancing both ways, right. especially with older older learners. Uh, so so yeah, it's it's just an interesting dynamic that and then learning how to use these new medias. Like I had a, I just wanted to share this quote about social media. Someone says you, or someone in the research said, you just master Twitter and Facebook and you find out that TikTok's a new
1: thing for marketing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so true, so true. Um, I was actually communicating with a group yesterday just talking about platforms and what are people using? What are people comfortable with? And it's embarrassing almost for people to admit that they can't do what is the latest way. And I suggested that we use a Google Doc and then after the meeting was over, I thought, I'm making the assumption that everyone's comfortable with that. You can't make those assumptions. It's like we all speak different languages. Yeah,
2: that's such a good point. And we found in our research quite clearly that and it won't surprise you because you work in the field and are highly involved, but that, that it's Facebook that programs are using, at least community-based programs, almost everyone. Uh, yes. every program would have a facebook account because the learners often use facebook too yes. and then others would might have you know twitter instagram youtube and a few few tiktokers out there but the it's the learners that that use facebook and it's also it's a great good. way to communicate with community groups uh, and, and partners in, in your community but then there's social media and there's effective social media so that comes down to skill and learning what is effective social media and effective images and so on and hashtags and all that and then also having time so none of this none of this is 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 easy in organizations like adult literacy programs that are inherently strapped for time and are like, like I think Ashley you said at the beginning doing it on a shoestring like it always feels that like doing little miracles on a shoestring always pulling up things the rabbit out of the hat and and, and doing pretty amazing things, but it, it comes at a cost because there's just not a lot of time and energy given how, how low resourced we are. And so it, it, that's an, an inherent problem as well too. And, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention too, the enormous harm caused by COVID-19 to and which created incredible challenges for programs and everyone of course, to recruit adult learners like the the world just just shut down and one of our biggest community partners in literacy and basic skills program is ow well for most of the pandemic the offices were closed who refer to us offices were closed which which is understandable it was a pandemic And, and staff was was working remotely so they couldn't link with the ow staff as well and and then also ow changed their focus which I think was wise, their clients were in crisis too, to life stabilization. They weren't looking to refer people to training opportunities at that time. They were they're focused on life stabilization, which was a wise choice, but there went a whole group of clients, uh, potential clients just kind of disappeared for well over a, a year and a half, if not two. And same thing with employment services. They, and, and literacy we, we our offices all closed down moved to virtual but it we we recruit in the literacy community a lot through partners. so our partners weren't weren't functioning as normal and and, and so where how do you recruit and build those relationships and then people moved on in, in many organizations so they'll be starting from scratch again. So a, a, a huge problem
0: Julian, yeah. with all of these issues I mean, you've talked a lot about marketing, but what are the top two strategies or practices that you would suggest right now that programs do to increase learner recruitment? I
2: would say again, the, the literacy community is such a, a unique, I think as in we, we, we go with our old traditions to a degree and our culture, but we're very much embedded in new as well. We kind of and, and I, the reason I mention that is because if you, if you can believe it, one of the number one strategies in our research was still word of month. and I think that's because we serve a vulnerable population group. They trust their you know their trusted people, uh, the, the, their friends, their family, the, the, the person at the LBS program who they know cares about them, and has a best interest in hearts or a social worker whatever the case may be so it's trusted sources and it's funny i was thinking about that say with our our new new ukrainian um visitors or refugees that are coming to canada like who would you trust when you're vulnerable like that probably trusted networks so that's still a big thing in the for adult literacy program despite all it was always that way it was that way when you and i started it and it's still that way and i think that's a, something i wish to highlight more to both the federal and provincial governments. That yes, digital is great, and we embrace it. But there's also that personal connection that will never go away for vulnerable populations, and uh, we need to we need to not discount it. So to be remembering that that is still an important uh, an an important way to to to, um, to to recruit people and to build up those those kind of, of networks still so uh, to not discount it but you know so that they word of mouth that get getting word out to friends and family and and so on and so forth that um like here's just one quote from an lbs educator more than half of our referrals come from learners. It was true in the past, and it's still true now. So, to, not not to discount that. And literacy programs know how absolutely how to do that. They've been doing that for a long time. But maybe just the thought that you know what, this still works, despite everything else, it mm-hmm. still works. Uh, I think too um, so that offering the short, specific learning opportunities. And and I know you. you Literacy Link Niagara has been aware of that for a long time, They're kind of probably ahead of the curve in many ways. So, those targeted training opportunities that might, that, that just, and, and using workforce related curriculum really helps people meet their short term needs that, that people, you know, like digital literacy or landscaping and ground maintenance or, uh, clerical assistant exploring the trade that kind of thing but also what, what you did your 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 reverse mentoring curriculum with the uh, the seniors and the young people like yeah. things like that kind of those that gets people wow that's different that's interesting it gets you marketing attention and then it gets you people who think yeah i can do that that really fits my needs i'm i'm in
0: what do you what do you think about that yeah very targeted like yeah. targeting a specific client with a specific goal, and then I mean a good example when you talk about reverse mentoring, uh, which is pairing uh, youth with uh, with seniors to increase digital literacy skills, um, which is a free curriculum that is available through Literacy Link Niagara if anyone's interested. But uh, by doing that, you bring seniors in, and you also bring youth in who may have strong digital skills then they become aware of the agency and then maybe they need to upgrade their math skills to go on to college. Right. So it, it, it brings, it brings them into the interview and they, they learn about the agency and what can be offered. So yeah, that's such a great strategy to, to use targeted programming to, uh, to include uh, a broader audience that might miss you.
1: Well, you know, relevance, it's all about relevant. And I I remember in the early days hearing about the principles of adult learning, and maybe we all need a refresher on that. Remember, you know, meet them where they are, meet their most pressing needs, give them credit for what they already know. And so I think our programs do that really, really well. And word of mouth, I don't care whether I'm ordering a pizza online or whether I'm thinking of attending an adult education session, I'm going to take the word of someone who's been there, uh, who said, I would recommend this for you. This has been my experience above anything else, every single time. Um, Okay, I'm gonna move on to our, what is our final question? I don't wanna cut this conversation short, um, but I really wanna hear your answer to this, Joanne. Uh, We ask all of our guests the same final question. Uh, So this answer may or may not, or your answer may or may not connect to your actual topic today. It's whatever comes to mind. So here is your question. What is the one tool, one material, or one resource that you wish people used more often? Well, it happens
2: to be a CLO resource, and it is Literacy Why It Matters. So you both know what that is but for your listeners, in case they don't. It's a, a, a wonderful document. It, it actually is used quite a bit, although we wish we had more more, t- more time to update it uh, or more resources to update it. would you say yes. again clearly there was a little glitch? Oh, sure. It's called Literacy, Why It Matters. And its tagline is more than words can say, literacy, why it matters. So it's a it's on CLO's website right off the front page because we're, we're, we're really proud of it. And it's essentially about 12 key points about literacy and how it links to the socio and economic issues that really all Ontarians or Canadians care about and shows how it, uh, literacy links with health with it, how it links to poverty and um, jobs of the future uh, um, also whether the whole economy and unemployment and, and and employment digital literacy all of it these incredible links that are that link what we're trying to do with these broad socioeconomic policies that are so important to to learners but To our society as well. And it's short, so it's nice and clear. But I also wanted to mention, because today's election day, as you know, in Ontario, there's a very strong link between literacy levels and civic engagement. And we kind of all know that anecdotally in our programs, but there's some stats here from Statistics Canada, so it's not fake news, but they asked the Canadian population. People, whether they agreed or disagreed with the statement. And the statement is, people like me don't have any say about what the government does. And those who had a bachelor degree or higher, 60% of them disagre- disagreed disagreed with that. I, In a sense, saying, I do have a say in government. Whereas people with lower, uh, lower levels, uh, ha- very few had, I think, 32%, something like that they did they say so less than half said that they felt that what they said mattered to the government like it's it's kind of a heartbreaking step, yeah. especially um, just really was thinking of it on election day like this and just that their 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 voice their input matters too and so the higher your education level the more you think the more you think your voice matters to your government and we know everyone's voice matters and also that our learners have some very important needs that they're more vulnerable that the governments of all levels should be addressing so why should they be many of them feeling their voice matters less in fact they potentially they you know well they certainly matter equally and we need to hear from them so anyway it's a great resource that just we designed it for our partners in literacy for them to understand um, how Literacy and why it matters in very simple ways. And we also put up graphics and social media images to go alongside it. So it is used quite a bit, but I wish I wish you would get outside the literacy community and into the government and partner and business level. So
0: well, we will make sure to add a link to the show notes um, so that people can easily find uh, those documents because they are very helpful and very colorful, well-marketed <laughs> documents, very, very attractive. So I really want to thank you on behalf of Gay and I uh, for joining us today, Joanne. Uh, the, you are very insightful on um, both kind of like a global Uh, view uh, of adult literacy in Ontario. And also you gave us some really specific uh, strategies to, uh, to meet the learners where they are. And I think that's one thing that literacy has, uh, has done really well. So uh, thank you for your time. And thanks for listening, listener. We look forward to getting connected with you next time.